you so much. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful that Jesus never fails? Amen? Because in reality, if we started to list all the times that we mess up, or that we don't measure up, or that we fail, we'd be here a long time. But we are grateful that Jesus never fails. Happy Father's Day. Finding your Bible, Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4 on this Father's Day. As a dad, maybe, if you're a father here today, maybe you felt like one father I heard about. I heard a story about a family that had three small children. And these three children started pestering their parents, especially their mom, because they wanted a puppy. Mom, we want a puppy. She said, no, you can't have a puppy because you know what's going to happen. You'll take care of the puppy for a little while, and then I'll end up having to take care of the puppy. You won't really take care of it. No, Mom, we'll take care of it. We promise we'll take care. And so finally, the mom relented, and the family got a puppy. And the children were very diligent in taking care of that puppy at first. They loved this puppy. They named the puppy Danny. And they took care of that puppy for the first month, maybe for the second month. But then after a while, all the responsibilities of taking care of little, the little puppy Danny fell on mom. Till finally she'd had enough, so she started calling some friends and family. She put it out on Facebook. She's like, I'm getting rid of this dog. Some loving family needs to take this dog because I'm done taking care of Danny. So finally, she found a family that was willing to take the dog, and she sat all three kids down one day, and she was expecting there would be lots of tears and frustration and heartache and heartbreak, and she said, kids, I want you to know, it's come time. We've got to get rid of Danny. And she was surprised at the kid's very mature reaction. One of the kids looked back, kind of matter-of-factly, and said, well, Mom, I really, I really wish we could keep Danny. The other kid said, wait a second. Maybe we could keep Danny. Maybe if, maybe if the puppy wasn't such a mess and didn't require so much attention. And finally, the third kid began to cry. The third kid began to fuss, and then all the kids began to cry because they realized at first they thought she was talking about getting rid of Daddy. <laughs> and she was really talking about getting rid of Danny. One kid described Father's Day like this. It's just like Mother's Day, except you spend less, right? I hope you have a great Father's Day. I know you've got big plans today. I hope you have a wonderful Father's Day. But let me, let me do a quick poll. How many of you who are dads today would say, if you're a dad, that you are an imperfect father? Let me see your hands. Imperfect father. And how many of you would say that you've had an imperfect father, right? So that probably, for the most part, covers everybody in the room. So today, I want us to focus on the reality that while we might fail, while we might stumble, that God is a perfect father. He's a good, a great heavenly father, and that you and I can trust him, we can rely on him, and we can lean on him. And so today from Psalm chapter 4, I want to talk to you about this idea, a prayer for fathers. A prayer for fathers while David, a father himself, cries out to the Lord in his time of distress. Begin reading with me in Psalm chapter 4. We'll read the entire chapter, just eight verses. To the choir master with stringed instruments, that's kind of like what we just did, a psalm of David. 
Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You put more joy in my heart than they when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. That is a great verse for Father's Day, isn't it? Take a nap this afternoon. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Remember the powers in the Word of God. Would you join me as we prepare to open the Word and study? God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for its truth. Teach us today and transform our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. So today from Psalm 4, we're talking about a prayer for fathers. And David here, a father himself, is having a really difficult time. He's in a moment of difficulty. He's in an hour of distress. And he cries out to the Lord. He gives us an example of crying out to God in prayer. And through application, I'm going to tell you a prayer for fathers today. My first prayer for you as a dad. I pray that you will rely on God. I pray that you will rely on God, that you will trust God, that you will lean on God, that you will rely on God. And dads, if we're honest, sometimes we rely on our own intellect or our own ability. Sometimes we rely on our own ingenuity or our own devices. Sometimes we are self-reliant when in fact we should be God-reliant. As dads, if, if we're not careful, we'll give off this big macho image like we can handle everything and there are never any issues and we've got it all together and there are no problems. In reality, listen carefully, your kids don't need to see a dad that never struggles. Your kids don't need to see a dad that never has problems. They need to see a dad that in every moment and circumstance and situation is God-reliant, that you depend and rest and trust in the Lord. David begins. He says, you've given me relief when I was in distress. That word distress, you may want to circle it in your Bibles, is a very interesting word. It means trapped in a corner. Literally means being pressed in on every side. Hemmed in. There's nowhere to go. Yet David says, you've given me relief. You've opened the way in the midst of my distress. And he says, be gracious to me and hear or answer my prayer. David says, I cried out to the Lord in the time of my distress, and he gave me relief. And as I prayed, God, be gracious to me. God answered my prayer. David says, answer me when I call. He was praying for God's help. He was desperate. He was in a difficult circumstance or situation. If Listen carefully. If you've known Christ or you've followed him for any amount of time, you have found yourself in a moment of distress. And what differentiates the hour of distress is not that we face hard times. It is where we turn and who we trust in the midst of the hour of distress. David trusts in God. David relies 
on God. I pray that you, I pray that I, I pray that we will trust and rely on God. Heard about a man who was turning 75 years old and lived in a tiny town in West Virginia. He spent his whole life in that tiny town. So for his birthday, one of his buddies was an aviation enthusiast. He was a pilot. And he said, Dudley, for your 75th birthday, I'm going to give you a special treat. I'm going to take you up in an airplane, and I'm going to give you a 20-minute ride, and we're going to see the town where you grew up from the air. Dudley said, all right. So he went up and began to fly around with his friend for 20 minutes and came back, and there was this big birthday celebration. And one of his little kids looked up and said, hey, Uncle Dudley, were you scared? No, 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 I wasn't scared. You weren't worried? No, no, I wasn't worried. Really? You weren't worried? Well, I never really put all my weight down on the seat when I was in the plane, thinking that somehow that's going to help, right? The, the reality is that's the way some of us trust God, right? We won't put our full weight or rest completely in Him. We, we always have a, a back door out or a in-case-this-doesn't-work type of plan. And so just in case this doesn't work, if things don't go great, God, I'm going to hit the eject button or I'm not going to put my full weight down. In a moment of distress, I want you to understand we can trust and rely and rest in the Lord. Where do you turn when you've been unjustly accused? That's what's happening to David. Where do you turn when things aren't working out like they're supposed to? When others are talking poorly about you? Where do you turn when things don't go your way? Well, some of us will pick up the phone and we'll start calling other folks and some of us want to put it on Facebook or some of us want to share this special prayer request in our life group. But David turned to God. In an hour of distress, listen to me carefully, turn to God. Trust, rely on Him. Secondly, I pray that you'll get right with God. I pray you'll rely on God. I pray you will get right with God. David was not just a great king. David was a shepherd. And he wasn't just a shepherd of sheep. He was a shepherd to his people as king. And here he desired that they would follow God, that they would have a right relationship with God. He had military conquests that were almost too many to number. Yet his most important role was leading the nation spiritually. David simply encouraged the people, trust and obey the Lord. How long, here he says, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? The Lord sets apart the godly for himself. He's challenging and encouraging his people. Offer right sacrifices to the Lord. Trust in him. Trust and obey. Do you remember the song that we learned years ago? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I heard about a little boy who was singing that song in Sunday school and came home riding in the car with his mom and sang the song, Trust and Okay. Trust and Okay. In reality, that's true, isn't it? As we trust and obey, we trust it's all going to be okay as we follow the Lord. And here's what David says. Look at this again. Offer right sacrifices, verse 5, and put your trust in the Lord. In other words, quit wavering between two opinions. 
Quit going back and forth. Quit being hot one minute and cold the next. In church one month and out the next. Here one day and gone the next. Listen to me. Stop wavering. Put your trust in the Lord and offer right sacrifices. David says, get right with God. The greatest gift a dad, a husband can give to his family is to be in right relationship with God. That's it. That is what matters most. One of the most powerful stories from the Olympic Games involved a gentleman named Bill Havens. He was a canoeing specialist. And I'm told for the 1924 Olympics in Paris, France, he was a shoe-in for the gold medal. The only problem was he never showed up to Paris in 1924. He was told a few months before his wife was expecting and She was expecting that same week, in fact, their son Frank was born August 1st, 1924. And so Bill Havens decided to be there for the birth of his son instead of going to Paris and winning gold in canoeing. It's interesting. He said he never regretted the decision. He spent his life pouring into his son and teaching him everything that he knew about how to canoe at a high level, whatever that means. It's an Olympic sport. You can see it now, right? Until 24 years later, Frank Havens goes to Finland and wins the gold medal at the Olympics. The next day, telegrammed his father, and this is what he said. Dear Dad, thanks for waiting around for me to be born in 1924. I'm coming home with that gold medal you should have won. It was signed, your loving son, Frank. And so many would have questioned that father's decision those many years ago. A gold medal in the Olympics, a son being born, but Bill's decision was really clear to him. He didn't want to miss the big opportunity to see his baby boy. Can I ask you a question? Do you think your kids follow your example? You think they watch what you do? Yeah, they hear what you say, but they watch how you live. And how can I expect my five kids to follow Jesus and to love the Lord if I don't follow Jesus and if I don't love the Lord? How can I expect them to live right, to offer right sacrifices, to trust in the Lord. If I'm not willing to do that, if they've got a hypocrite for a father, what do I expect them to be? And so I need to be right with God. I need to be walking, growing in my relationship with the Lord. It's the way Joshua described it in Joshua chapter 24. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the priority. Quit wavering between two opinions, back and forth. If God is God, worship Him. If Baal is God, worship Him. But as for me and my house, we're going to do what's right. We're going to serve the Lord. Get right with God. Thirdly, I pray that you will rejoice in God. Dads, we find joy in all sorts of things, don't we? Some find joy in their spouse. Some find joy in their kids. Some find joy in sports. Some find joy in academic pursuits. Some find joy in their job. Some find joy in a big, fat, juicy steak. Amen? We find joy 
in all sorts of things. And if I brought all the dads in the room on stage today and I asked you, what do you find joy in? We'd probably get as many different answers as we do dads. And that's great. God wants you to find joy in His creation. It's good. But first and foremost, we ought to find joy in the Lord. First and foremost, we ought to find joy in Jesus. Can I just tell you, family, wives, kids, if you're here today and your husband, your dad got up, got out of bed, got ready, decided I'm taking my family to church today. As for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord Jesus. Then you ought to praise God for that man in your house. Amen. So many people find joy in so many other things instead of in the Lord. David says, I'm going to rejoice in God. I want you to understand the scene and the situation, what's happening here. So you'll know the context. David's leaders are reporting back to him. Verse 6 and verse 7, very interesting. And here's, here's what it says. Who will show us some good? Interesting phrase. Who will show us some good? In other words, really what this means is, is there anything good happening anywhere? Can any good really come out of this? That's the question. So it's not necessarily who will show us something good. It's everything else around us seems to be bad. I'm getting bad news after bad news after bad news. Who will show us something good? Is there anything good out there? That's the situation. David's in a mess. He's in an hour of distress. Look at verse 7. How does he respond in this moment of distress? You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Now think about that. David says, I'm in the midst of a mess. I'm in a low point in my life. This is a difficult situation. But I've got more joy than those who've got big houses, nice cars, or a fat bank account. Because I know God and I am His. He says, you've given me more joy than they have with all of that stuff. I've got more joy in Jesus than the world has in anything this world has to offer. We rejoice in God. How does he respond when folks are saying bad things about him? I have joy. And don't you notice something interesting? He says, he says you've put joy in my heart. There are moments and times we might look within and we can't really find a whole lot of joy. But I promise you, if you begin to pray, trust the Lord and walk with Him, God will put joy in your heart where you thought there was none. He can do that. Rejoice in God. You know, a survey was done before Father's Day one year. The survey was asking kids what their favorite thing to do with their dad was. What's the most important thing about fathers? The answers were things like, he plays catch with me. That's my favorite thing. Or, he showed me his work, took me to the office. He takes me to run errands. That's super exciting, right? It's interesting, though, every single answer that made the top ten had to do with a dad simply spending time with their kids. It wasn't anything significant or earth-shaking. It wasn't anything very profound, to be honest. It was simple. It was simple. It just had to do with kids enjoying being with their father. 
Now, think about that in the spiritual sense. You and I ought to have joy in our relationship with the Lord. We ought to enjoy spending time with our Heavenly Father. So, I pray you'll rely on God. I pray you'll get right with God. I pray that you will rejoice in God. Number four, I pray that you will rest in God. Rest in God. David is in a situation where there are some difficult things happening. No good around him. It's all bad news. So what does David do? He starts whining and complaining like a little baby because he can't overcome his problems. Is that what he does? No. He starts punching the wall in anger. He's mad because he can't fix the situation. Is that what he does? No. He picks up and leaves because he can't fix all the issues and it's just all so overwhelming and he can't handle it. Is that what he does? No. What does he do? Verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Naps are biblical. He trusts He rests in God. You see that? In peace, I will lie down and sleep. I can lay my head on the pillow at night and sleep like a baby because I trust in the Lord. That's what he's saying. He's resting in God. A former pastor at the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church in Washington, where Abraham Lincoln worshipped the Lord on many occasions, had a copy of Abraham Lincoln's Bible. He said he took the copy of the Bible, and he was just curious. He held it in his hand, and he just opened it randomly, wanting to see where the Bible would open automatically. He said it was interesting, as he read the verse, it opened directly to Psalm 37, where the text of Scripture says, Fret not thyself because of evil doers. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You think Abraham Lincoln probably went to that verse time and time again? Don't worry because of your enemies. Rest in the Lord, be patient, and rest in Him. It's amazing when you can find rest in Jesus. You know, Jesus invites us in the New Testament, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. Rest is a biblical concept. On the seventh day, God rested. It's biblical. But rest is more than just taking a nap. It's more than just a good night's sleep. It is a sense of security and safety in the arms of God. That's what it means. Biblical rest. Pastor and teacher Bruce Howell tells a story about a dad who had his two children with him, a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old in the Atlantic Ocean. They were just playing around, having a great time, until at that very moment he discovered that they were out far too deep, and the tide was not bringing them into the shore, it was taking them out to sea. Can you imagine all of the emotions that begin to flood your mind and your soul. If you're that father and you've got two children, a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, and you'll have to do everything you can do to get them to shore. You know what he did? 
He looked at his daughter, the 10-year-old, and he said, Sweetheart, Mary, you're a great swimmer. I have to take your brother to shore, the 8-year-old. I'm going to come back and get you, but here's what I need you to do. I want you to relax, and I want you to start swimming on your back. If you lay on your back and start to swim, you can swim all day like that. So he frantically took his son, his eight-year-old, to shore and then went out. But they could not find Mary anywhere. They searched for four hours to find the little girl until they found her miles offshore, simply, calmly swimming on her back. You know what this little girl said? Mary said about her dad, Daddy said that he would come for me and that I could float all day. So I swam and I floated because I knew he would come. I think there are moments in our lives when God wants to see if we will just float and wait. Even even when we're scared or nervous, But will we just float and wait? Will we just trust? Even when we're getting farther away from the shore and we don't know what's going on, will we trust? Will we rest? Will we believe Him? He's a good Father who loves us. He has our best interest at heart. What does David say? I love this. What did David do in the midst of his difficult moment, right? He went to sleep. He enjoyed peace. You alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. What's he saying? I find peace in God like I find nowhere else. You alone, O Lord. David was secure. Listen to this. No arrow could touch him as long as he was safe in the arms of the Lord. No enemy could get to him as long as he was right there in the center of the will of his father. When he went to sleep in his palace, armed men tramped up and down the hallways and the corridors, and he was behind secure gates. But here he is in the midst of a field or in the middle of a cave, and he's safer here than he is in his palace. Because he's resting in the arms of his Savior. I pray that you will learn what it means to rest and to trust. To float and to wait. To trust in a good God who loves you and has your best interest at heart.